Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. I called Alex, my producer for Things That Will Help podcast, a few days ago to catch up. And and I said, what do you think my next topic should be? What would be helpful for people to hear? And she was quiet for a minute. And I heard her sigh. And then she said, it's all just so much. There's so much right now. And then she was quiet again. And I can tell you that she's probably the the ninth or tenth person I've spoken to over the last few weeks that have said something so similar, if not verbatim. It's all just so much right now. If you are living in the U.S., almost every morning the news holds another mass shooting. Our children are being harmed. People are not safe to be themselves and love who they choose to love without persecution. Children are not safe to go to school. There's racial injustice. There's social injustice everywhere. We have some significant deficiencies and places where we're not okay as a collective. There is deep fear in all the crevices in all of our homes. There's this underlying feeling, I think, that another something big is on the way because so many something bigs happen in the course of a day. We can't even process each one thoroughly. So we're getting emotional whiplash and then we're skimming the surface and trying to integrate and regulate and somehow be okay. And Alex and I kept talking and we just kept saying, yeah, it's just all so much. But then I thought, y'all know it so much. So what do we do after we just sigh and agree on that point? And share stories about the so muchness, which is so important, by the way. I was having a, a heartful conversation with Andrew this morning, who's one of my dearest, dearest friends. He cried several times during the conversation, true moments of tenderness. And it was because we were touching deep subjects, taking care of sick parents, protecting our children from harm. The terror of another four years of Trump. We talked about artists and teachers not being able to buy a home or eat properly with these cost of living prices. We were just talking about all sorts of things like this. And he cried and said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just keep seeming to break down in the presence of my best friends and having these moments. And I thought, There's something wrong if we're not doing this. These are places of communion and intersections of humanity. These are the places we need to find each other. Because we know that it's too much now. So how do we hold it all? How do we hold it all together? Alex, during our conversation, mentioned creative practices. Whole body, yes, for me. 
when she said that. To create something, to make something, to put things together that have never been together before and call it yours and put it out into the world somehow. So important, even in the midst of the so much that we're all holding. Creatives, we need to be moving things around to make sense of the world in our emotional bodies, painting, dancing, practicing yoga, gardening, writing, walking, moving deliberately, cooking, knitting, flying hot air balloons, making wood heirlooms, taking pictures, designing spaces, crafting curriculum, carving out leadership ideas, making chocolate, sewing clothes, so many more I'm not thinking of right now. And luckily, creative practices are on the rise because we die without these. At least we die on the inside without these. And this also made me think of Benjamin and the summer he died. And I remember distinctly laughing, belly laughing for the first time several weeks after his death. And I don't remember what was funny or who I was with, but I do remember the hot shame that came up afterwards. And I remember thinking to myself, Buffy, how can you laugh? What's wrong with you that you can laugh when this terrible thing happened? And of course, now I think back on that moment with with compassion for myself and wish that it had been absent of shame. And I wish that that moment had been full of relief that I could even muster a laugh or fall into a place of joy, even for a moment. So in the middle of the muchness, we have to find play and glee and creative practice and recognize that staring at and stroking bad news, terrible, devastating world circumstances does not help those things to shift and to come loose. And I think we can even say that play, ease, fun, passion, creative practice, that all these things actually elevate the planet. They elevate our neighborhoods. They elevate the individuals looking at you to see if it's okay to play in the midst of it all because they want to. They want that permission. And I think it's good to remember that there are people, young people and old people, looking at you to know what they can do next. You are in some capacity an influencer. Did you know that? Did you remember that? As long as we are alive, we are partnering with both shadow and light, good things and really hard things. We'll always be in the middle of both. We'll always be holding both. Last week, I was sitting near a friend at a school picnic, and we were, we were all there to celebrate kindergarten graduation, and all the littles were running around with snow cones, and the excitement of summer was kind of in the air, and it felt like something to be marked. Otis was graduating from kindergarten, and so was my friend's daughter, and we were sitting there on blankets and we we talked about death for a few minutes while no one was listening. I don't know exactly (laughs) how it came up. Um, But she said that when she was little, she wondered and she worried about death pretty regularly. 
but that recently something occurred to her that lightened everything. She explained that as time passes, we collect. We gather up ways as we go to cope, soften, and ready ourselves and our understanding of the inevitable cycle of life and death. And that the older we get, the more prepared we are both to die and to see other people die. And it seemed really simple when she told me this in the sun on the blanket with the kids spinning around me. But of course, this concept is flawed because there is sudden loss and tragic young death that we know is true and real. And sometimes we don't have time to collect what we need before it's snuffed out. And this tragic kind of loss is why, partly why anyway, we're, we're feeling all the too muchness of the world right now. But nevertheless, what she told me gave me peace for days. If we are lucky, the readiness comes gradually, just like our wrinkles and our changing bodies. It deepens over time. We learn along the way what we need to know. Hopefully we become collectors of that particular kind of grace. I saw that same friend later in the week and thanked her. And she told me one more thing that is really amazing and worth retelling to you. Her daughter sometimes worries about what's going to happen to her when one or both of her mothers die. And instead of saying what our parents and their parents before them said, that it would be a really long, long time before that ever happens, she answers her daughter very differently. She tells her that when that happens, she will find the tools to make her way through. She points her daughter towards trust that she will collect what she needs when she has to face such a loss. And this is so comforting to me. It's such a good answer. So as we digest the news, as we try and regulate in this world that is so flawed, I wonder if we could start to trust that we are collecting the tools we need as we go. One of my mother's friends, her name's Barbara, recently wrote her a letter. and Mom shared it with me. And it was a letter about weaving Apparently, when Barbara was very young, she'd asked her mother for a loom because she wanted to learn to weave on it. And Barbara's mother, who was a master weaver herself, granted this small Barbara her wish. But Barbara never, turns out, never wove on the loom and never really did anything with it at that time. And many years later, she became friends with my mom who had purchased a loom for herself when she was first retired and first in Denver to be near me. But she found out she didn't really like it. She didn't really like weaving. And so she gifted it to Barbara. And weaving found its way back to Barbara. She was finally ready for the gift. And the letter that she sent to my mom was accompanied by a hand towel that she had woven. And it was blue and green and really pretty. And the letter is a thank you note. I think it's a thank you note to weaving itself as a creative practice, but also a thank you note to her mother for modeling that artistry and to my mother who brought the loom back around and to the mystery of time. In time, the tool showed up. 
when she was ready when it was time. Because that's the thing, really, the part that we do not know. We don't know the timing. We're going to be given certain tools. But I do think they show up as we need them to. And it's the, it, it's the only way I can put my pants on in the morning is to believe this, that we collect as we go what we need to get through. But we have to notice our surroundings. We have to stop drilling down so hard on the too muchness and allow ourselves permission to find levity. And I've said this before in this podcast, um, but it's worth saying again, for me, play and fun is hard. I, I'm naturally really serious. And so discipline, ritual, and a controlled regularity, all of those things come really easy to me. But spontaneity and play is not as easy for me. So it's something I have to work on. And not only is it okay to find lightness where there is heavy stuff that we're holding and going on in the world, I would argue that it's medicinal. It moves us to common ground where we can find each other and where we can remember our true nature, which resides in joy and peace and wellness. And so to be clear, I'm not in any way suggesting that we stick our heads in the sand and not educate ourselves on the horrors and the realness that is happening in the world because action is needed, direct action, voting, helping to change policy and laws that harm, advocating for more humane gun laws, more support for mental health and wellness, racial and social justice work, so much more. There are direct and concrete things we can do in our communities that will move the needle. I saw a recent post that said, let's make it easier to acquire a therapist than to get a gun. And I thought, yes, please. This should not even be a question. So action, absolutely. And knowing that the play and the sweetness of experience in life does not negate, undermine, or dissolve that action. We need both, I believe, to loosen the reins of too muchness. Seriousness does not make serious situations easier. It's the play, it's the presence, and the remaining joy that can actually do that. Going back to thinking about Benjamin Summer in 2004, I was young and really lost, and I really wanted my friends to reach out to me and to find me. But it was such a big thing I was holding, so much too muchness that most of them didn't know what to say. So they didn't say anything, and not many of them called. And they told me later they were afraid they would say the wrong thing, so they didn't say anything. And I know it wasn't their fault, but I was pretty lonely that summer and just wanted someone to be brave enough to walk right up to my door and to go get ice cream with me or to bring over some breakfast or ask me to share some stories about him. It was strange how deserted and quiet it was. I wasn't busy. People, I guess, thought I was busy. You know, something to know, grieving people are not really busy. 
Grieving people are hollow shells and in need of something that can't be restored. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to sit near them and bring a piece of chocolate or a candle or make space for a story to be told. That's part of this collection process too. Those tools we find in need, they are in the form of each other. And these small little moments of aliveness, like my conversation with Andrew today, which made my day more alive and it built a bridge of compassion between our two homes. A reminder that I need today, and maybe you do as well, life doesn't begin when we're done with the too muchness. Do you do this too? This kind of retracing of I'm so full there's so much going on when we get through these things I'm going to call you and then we can sit on the porch and enjoy the summer okay when we make it through this stack of things everything's going to open up and then we'll begin instead in the middle of the terrible things in the middle of the too muchness I decided I would start by naming the beauty marks Anyway, so here's some of the things that I've tracked recently as beauty marks. The summer morning air on my skin as I water my garden first thing and check out what sprouted during the night. Hot coffee on a cold porch before anybody else is awake. A high quality grill, clean water, reliable hiking shoes. The blue, 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 gorgeous Colorado sky. Unbridled laughter that I hear coming from my playroom. Side body stretches first thing in the morning. The power that comes from reframing something in my mind. Magic erasers. Y'all, they clean everything that you think would not get clean. Magic erasers. Flower pots good poetry, the ocean, a free unplanned day, a picnic on my grandmother's quilt with my mother's chicken salad and my homegrown lettuce and my children's sass and audacity, all the generations present on one blanket. How things are passed down and how they collect wisdom and change like the telephone game, how grannies ring has become a symbol for me of freedom and breaking tradition. Innovation in how we speak to and answer children's questions, like my friend's daughter and the turn of that legacy in such a beautiful way. The creative process of writing my life story. How I love my body more today than I did in my 20s. I can see what it's collected, what it's done with really deep appreciation now, finally. So I think our tools are always being readied and come in sharp at times we don't always anticipate. We have to keep mending ourselves with what we have laid out before us. So I know this episode has been kind of a, <laughs> a mismatch of a lot of things, but the thing I want to leave you with the most is trust. You have practiced for times such as these. 
surround yourself with the Andrews and people like that who feel and talk about real things, heartful things. These are the people who will help. Thank you so much for listening to Things That Will Help podcast. I so appreciate your support. If you would like to join a beautiful community of patrons who support this podcast monthly, if you're enjoying it and are benefiting from it, I really encourage you to do this. It's so helpful to me. Um, The information to do that is on the show notes. So please join our community. Thank you so much and have a beautiful day.